This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Zoomer Week in Review, heard every Sunday at noon on Zoomer Radio. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, a new vision of aging. Support CARP with your membership today. Visit carp.ca. Good afternoon and welcome to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. I'm Libby Snymer. The long-awaited update to Canada's food guide is expected this spring. In the meantime, preliminary reports are hailing it for moving away from the old emphasis on meat and dairy. And technology meets the road at this year's International Car Show in Detroit. We'll speak with an industry insider to find out what vehicles are capturing the interest of Zoomers at the Marquee Car Event. But first, here are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. Amid the most popular travel season for Zoomers comes word that there's a Canada-wide shortage of Twin Ricks. That's the vaccine often prescribed for people heading to southern destinations that protects against hepatitis A and B, viruses that attack the liver. The vaccine is in short supply for both adults and children. A lot of rich kids are banking on inheriting family money to pay for retirement. 63% of affluent Americans aged 18 to 22 say they need an inheritance, according to a study by broker Merrill Edge. Even some older generations are hoping to inherit too. 36% of Gen Xs aged 41 to 53 are also relying on it, while only 20% of baby boomers are still expecting an inheritance. In North America, an estimated $30 trillion could be inherited over the next 30 years. A social media star has emerged following this week's historic Brexit vote in Britain. This is 55-year-old Speaker of the House John Burko trying to keep order during Tuesday's Brexit debate. Order! Order! British Parliament usually edits out such outbursts from its broadcast feed, but a journalist recorded the memorable moment and posted it on Twitter, where it went viral. Casting has been set for the upcoming biopic on iconic feminist Gloria Steinem. Oscar winner Julianne Moore will portray the older Steinem and Timothy Hutton will play her father in The Glorias, A Life on the Road. The movie, based on the 84-year-old's memoir, follows her lifelong crusade for equal rights and her groundbreaking work as a journalist. Other big names making cameos, Bette Midler, and Janelle Monet. The film is out next year. I'm Libby Snymer, and those are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. Canada's new food guide hasn't even been made public, yet already it is getting kudos for abandoning beef and dairy as separate categories in favor 
of protein foods. Even orange juice is apparently getting squeezed out. The document was first published in the 40s and last updated in 2007. Dietitian Rosie Schwartz likes what she's hearing and argues the government recommendations should be based on science and not influenced by powerful rich food companies. I think it's not putting an emphasis on animal foods, but it's not telling people to cut them out so that people know that if they do want to eat some meat, they can eat some meat, but they should be putting an emphasis on making sure they get all their fruits and vegetables and whole grains and that they have some meatless meals. And so if this is the food guide, which talks about eating together and cooking again, then I think it's wonderful. This proposed guide has been heralded as kind of the end of the influence of the big lobby groups. What is the importance of a food guide in this day and age? People need to have some recommendations. They need to know what the science says. I mean, people are not going to take the food guide and use it as a Bible of what they're eating. But on the other hand, they need to know what does Health Canada say is the way we should be eating. When we see something like cook more meals, maybe we'll see that school boards think that we should put home ec back onto the curriculum so that we teach kids how to cook. And when the food guide doesn't say anything like that, then that foundation may not be there to go back to some of the basics. It looks like it is wiping the away the influences of big lobbies for meat, for dairy, for juice, and in uh, the case of the meat and dairy, instead of having them in separate categories, it has one category just for protein. The idea of having the protein group and less emphasis on meat and dairy, I think it's really good. I think that as Canadians, we need to eat more plant-based foods. People don't need to cut meat out. They, they need to get in calcium-rich foods, whether it be dairy or whether it be a plant-based alternative. I think those are all great. And there are parts that they've brought into the food guide that I love because it's not just talking about what we should eat and how much we should eat, But the food guide is maybe talking about that we should be cooking more often. We should actually enjoy our food. I mean, that's a big issue. Eating meals with others and and drinking water, those are some of the things that were in the draft. And those are important issues for good health. And they are issues that have never been addressed before by Canada's food guide. The word is that it does not say that you should consume a certain number of portions of meat or dairy in a week. That's a good thing, right? Right, right. Now, talking about eating more fruits and vegetables, eating more whole grains, those are the kinds of things that I think people can grasp. What is the ratio of protein to carbohydrates to whole grains to all those other things that people should be eating? You have people that are eating low-carb, and then you have people that are eating high-carb and low-fat, and all of these different patterns may be healthy depending on what those foods are. And so, for example, if somebody's eating higher-carb, 
but they're eating fruits and vegetables and whole grains, it's very different than someone who's eating higher carb and is eating white bread and potato chips and refined cereals or sugar. In the food guide, it used to say that there was a certain equivalent of juice to a real fruit, say orange juice. When there's a huge amount of sugar in the orange juice and... I'm not even sure it really is 100% orange juice. It's, they do weird things to it in tanks for a year. Orange juice is not a whole food. And what we should be looking at is eating more whole foods. When you're eating a whole orange or a whole, you know, any citrus fruit, you're getting that same amount of sugar in a serving, but you're also getting fiber, which would make a difference in terms of digestion. You're also, um, when you're eating the whole orange, you're getting some of that white sort of pith around the, the edge of the orange. And while people do try to remove it, you can't get it all off. And in that white pith, for example, you're going to get compounds such as citrus bioflavonoids, which may offer protection against certain cancers. So what happens is when you eat a whole food, it's very different than if you drink juice. We should be drinking more water, eating more whole fruit, and not thinking of juice as an alternative to a piece of fruit. So I think it's going to be really important that industry, whether it be traditional sort of industry that we've seen agriculture not influence the food guide, nor do we see food companies that have lots of plant-based products that are ultra-processed. Okay, I think that sums it up. Rosie Schwartz, thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you. That was dietitian and author Rosie Schwartz. I'm Libby Snymer, and this is the Zoomer Week in Review. Coming up, Zoomers are heading to Motor City this week to see what's new at the International Car Show. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, a new vision of aging. Support CARP with your membership today. Visit carp.ca. National Auto Show in Detroit is losing a bit of its luster as the showcase for all things new in the auto world, but close to a million people are still expected to attend. Consumers will learn that new vehicles are being loaded up with technology like sensors, cameras, and radar to keep drivers safer on the road. Consultant Dennis DeRossier has just returned from the Detroit show. The shows like Detroit was, which was a big, what we call a reveal show. So they show a lot of concept vehicles in terms of concepts and ideas and styling cues that may surface in two, three, four, five years' time. We're getting down to threes and fours. That's it. There used to be 20 or 30. And you just wonder how much longer they'll bother even at all. Just about everything that's going on in the automotive sector, you can find out well in advance, so there's no surprises. A lot of what's being introduced into vehicles is technology rather than design, and so you really don't see it at a show. The fact that it has GPS or automatic braking or lane departure technology or all of the technologies related to electric vehicles and autonomous vehicles essentially aren't visual. And so why do you have to have a visual display? You can be as effective just introducing it on the Internet. 
And the biggest show in the world is the Computer Electronics Show, the CES show in Las Vegas. And it was a week ago into this week. And the auto sector has essentially taken over that show. What are some of the new technologies that we're going to start to see that Zoomers will be interested in? Well, just about any technology related to autonomous vehicles is finding its way into vehicles now. And most of it is safety-related. Bells and whistles that go off when you start to depart from a lane or active cruise control. So you set your cruise control, and if you start to get too close to the vehicle in front of you, it automatically backs up. Automatic braking. So if you're in a potential collision situation, the technology takes over from you, the consumer, and protects you from less safe situations, not necessarily entirely, but a lot of that kind of stuff. Simple things like self-parking vehicles. It's amazing how many people can't parallel park still. And so you just pull up, uh, display comes up on your dashboard, you just park in this little square and push a button and the vehicle parks for you. So a lot of convenience things and obviously a lot of communications technology. So if anything happens in the slightest collision or if you have a reason to need help, be it medical help or a tow truck or anything like that, you push a button and they show up automatically or someone comes on a speakerphone and you can talk to them in terms of what's going on. And the sensors that are going into a vehicle, uh, there's dozens of sensors going to a vehicle to detect everything outside. So there's also a lot of sensors inside a vehicle to detect other things going on inside the vehicle. So we may not have fully autonomous vehicles where you just get in a pad and there's a pod and there's no steering wheel or anything like that. That's essentially an older person might like that because an awful lot of older people uh, are restricted from driving. But we're still probably quite quite far away from that. And there's even further out vehicles where you just get in and say, take me to work or take me to the grocery store or take me to the uh, pharmacy to get my prescription. They're quite far out in the future yet. And the trouble is, is that the vehicle companies in this technology can get the technology to work most of the time. But when you get into things like a fully autonomous vehicle, even one failure out of a thousand can be quite catastrophic. And you really can't introduce it into the broader public until it's perfect technology. I tease people and I say that there's lawyers buying mansions today in anticipation of some of this technology coming out. You can imagine some of the lawsuits. And even that's controversial. Who do you sue? The parts manufacturer who supplied the technology? Or do you sue the vehicle company? Or do you sue the consumer because they may have been partially responsible for the problem? Or do you? Con- or there may be third parties that operate these autonomous vehicles, you know, the Ubers of the world. And then does the government really want them on the road? Perhaps one of the biggest issues is that if all 27 million vehicles on the road in Canada were autonomous and had this technology, you might be better off. But it's going to take, you know, 30, 40, maybe 50 years to take the existing vehicles off the road (laughs) to replace all of them with this new technology. What aspect of it is going to become more commonplace, say, over the next year or so? Parking? Well, parking already is pretty... uh, I think the lane departure, the blind spot detectors are going to be very, very popular and automatic braking. Although all the luxury vehicles and all the high-end vehicles have them now. Getting it down to your mass market vehicle still will take a few years, but not long. You know, vehicles are becoming much, much safer. 
as a result of this. Okay. Dennis DeRostier, thanks so much. Call me anytime. That was Automotive Consultants President Dennis DeRossier. The car show runs until January 27th. I'm Libby Snymer, and this is the Zoomer Weekend Review. Coming up, the Queen of Country celebrates a birthday. You're listening to the Zoomer Weekend Review, brought to you by CARP, a new vision of aging. Support CARP with your membership today. Visit carp.ca. Welcome back to the Zoomer Weekend Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. I'm Libby Snymer. It's time for your International Arts Date Book. Tips for those of you who are jetting around the world. Here's Jane Brown. In London, Australian actress Kate Blanchett is starring in the play When We Have Sufficiently Tortured Each Other. It's her first time at the National Theatre. After four years of rigorous conservation, two of India's most celebrated gardens have reopened near the Taj Mahal. In Moscow, the Lumiere Brothers Center for Photography has launched David Bowie, The Man Who Fell to Earth. It includes never-before-published photos and shots from the set of the movie. And encased in glass and lit up by neon lights is Trump the Game. It's been unveiled as the latest exhibit at Sweden's Museum of Failure. I'm Jane Brown, and that's the International Arts Datebook. Country music legend Dolly Parton is celebrating her 73rd birthday this weekend. Born in Tennessee in 1946, Dolly was the fourth of 12 children and describes her family as dirt poor, growing up in a rustic one-room cabin. She began performing as a child, and by 13, she was recording her own records and performing at the Grand Ole Opry. After graduating high school, Parton moved to Nashville and signed her first deal with a record company that wanted to sell her as a pop singer. The company later relented and allowed Parton to release a country music album called Hello, I'm Dolly. It kick-started her career. That same year, she married the man who is still her husband to this day. In the late 60s, she met Porter Wagner, and the pair wrote and recorded many duets until they parted ways in 1974. That split inspired Dolly to write one of her most iconic songs, later covered by the late Whitney Houston. Here is Dolly Parton with I Will Always Love You. That was Dolly Parton with I Will Always Love You. Dolly is celebrating her 73rd birthday this weekend. And that brings us to the end of this week's edition of the Zoomer Week in Review. I'm Libby Snymer. Thanks for joining me today. Be sure to come back next week to stay up to date with all things Zoomer worldwide. You've been listening to the Zoomer Week in Review. Produced by MZ Media Limited. Executive producer, Moses Snymer. Produced by Christine Ross, Michelle Saunders, Paul Thomas, and Andre Lowy. This has been an exclusive podcast of the Zoomer Week in Review, heard every Sunday at noon on Zoomer Radio. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.